The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Well, good morning, fam. Uh, this is the last week in the series of Jonah, so if you are just now joining us, welcome to the final verse of Jonah. Um, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. Is that me? Is that my crackling again? Make sure. They told me it didn't do this when we had the guest preacher, and they said it's because the guest doesn't move as much. So we're going to pray. We're going to wrap this thing up today. We're going to talk about the fact that God loves cities, uh, what, why he calls us to love cities, and, and really we need to understand that the reason he loves cities more is because there are more people there. It's not that he loves people in the country less. There are just less people, and God is all about people and if we're taking anything from this verse, apparently he, he really cares about cows, which means he lo- loves Lithia as well. You guys ready to pray and do this thing? You guys ready? Okay. You don't sound ready, but I'm ready. Uh, Father, we are coming today to wrap up Jonah. Lord, we have seen how, how your man ran from you, how you brought him by your goodness into the belly of the fish and spit him up onto the shore. Lord, we've seen you pursue him even when he preached a terrible message. We've seen you still reach out to him in the final moments of this book, despite Jonah's running from you. And today, God, many of us have been like Jonah. We've been running from you, ignoring you. We've been trying to do spirituality our own way. We've been trying to do just enough church to feel good about ourselves. And we are scared, God. Some people in here are scared to run the direction you're telling us to run, to say the things that you're telling us to say. So I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would cast out the fears, the fears that keep us from experiencing full life, true life in you. Lord, help us to have the same heart for the city that you have for cities. Help us to have the same heart for our neighbors that you have for our neighbors. Help us, Lord, to become world shakers in Jesus' name. All God's kids said, amen. Amen. So here's the verse. Uh, Just to set it up in case you missed it, Jonah wants Nineveh destroyed, wiped off the map. He preaches a terrible sermon, and God says, I'm going to show them mercy because they repented. So then Jonah goes outside the city to watch because he's still crossing his fingers that maybe Nineveh didn't do it quite right, and God's going to smite them with his almighty smiting power. And God causes a plant to grow up and give him shade in one night, and then he sends a worm, and the plant dies, and Jonah is heated at God. Jonah's angry that God would take away the plant, and he complains. And God says, you pity this plant, but you didn't have anything to do with the plant. In verse 11, the verse for today, and God's point to Jonah was, should I not pity Nineveh, that great, what's the word, fam? City. I just need us to get used to that word. Put it on the tip of your tongue. In which there are more than how many people? 120,000 people. Hold on. We just finished the verse. Since it's only this verse. Who do not know their right hand from their left. And here's how the book of Jonah ends. And also much cattle. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was born in a a city city. I just think that's funny. um, Because when I drive in and out of Lithia, I always take the back way. Because there's that big pasture with cattle. And I think it's the best. As a matter of fact, I've had cameras with me recently, and I've thought, will I get shot if I jump over the fence 
because I want to take some selfies with cows because I've never done a cow selfie. But then I also thought, I don't know if cows are dangerous or not. So I haven't done it yet. Are cows dangerous? The bulls are dangerous? The bulls are the horny ones, right? See what I did there? Sorry, you guys are, I insulted your intelligence. That was a terrible pun. God loves cities. God loves cities because he loves people. Now, Nineveh was 120,000 people. I, um, I, I, just, I, I do these studies all the time, and I like looking at demographics and, and census data. So in 2009, between 2009 and 2010, if you pot, plotted an area with a pin at the chapel and did a seven-mile radius, in 2010 is when that seven-mile radius from where we stand grew past 120,000 people. So that includes some Lithia, some Riverview, some Valricans, some Brandonians. I don't know what you guys call yourselves. But that passed Nineveh. We, we surpassed Nineveh. Now we're uh, upwards of, of the high 150,000s. In the next five years, we're expected to grow even more in this population. So we are already seven miles from here where we sit today. Bigger than Nineveh was. More people than Nineveh had. Which means God loves who? Does God love this city? Are, are we sure? Okay. Now, God's love is not dependent on the type of people within that area. He's not saying, I loved Nineveh because they were so amazing. As a matter of fact, he sent Jonah to Nineveh when they were still skinning people, when they were still enslaving people, when they were still sinning in every way that they did. So we need to understand that it doesn't matter the type of person. God loves people. You can be rich or poor or in the middle. God loves you. You could be super moral, the straight arrow, or you can be a broken arrow, morally bankrupt. God's love is coming towards you. You can be more educated or less educated. God loves you. You could, have be, you could be the nerd, the person who reads books every day. You could be the person who reads the Bible every day. Or you could be the person who hasn't even picked up a book since 7th grade. God still loves you, non-readers. If you're in 7th grade, it doesn't count. Oh, no, you're not even in 7th grade. I'm going to email your teachers who's sitting two seats over from you. You can be white-collar, blue-collar, no-collar, pastor's collar. I don't wear collars. God loves you. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, European, God's love is for those people. Here's a tough one. Swallow this pill deeply. You could be a Republican, and God still loves you. You could be a Democrat, and God will still love you. You could be a Libertarian, and God will probably just be hands off, because that's what Libertarians believe in. <laughs> See, that one was an actual intelligent pun. You could be a Republicanarian party. You could be left-wing, right-wing, whole bird. God isn't looking down. At, at Fishhawk and Channing Park and Riverview and Brandon, he's not looking down and saying, where are all my Republicans? No. He's looking down and saying, these are my people, my children. So, why does God love cities? It's simple. Uh, there was a, um, there, there's been a few moments at the chapel where I, I sense God trying to move things. And, um, and this week, 
someone reached out to me, and they said, I don't know if, what this is, but I keep having this recurring. It was a dream, and it's a vision now, and it keeps coming to my mind. It's clear as crystal. It's almost like a memory. It's so tangible to me. So I was praying, because this, this guy asked me to pray. He said, will you pray? I said, I'll pray. We'll seek discernment. So all week I've been praying, Lord, help him find discernment and understanding what you're trying to speak to him. I was praying this all week. Lord, help him find discernment. Help him see and understand the vision you're giving him. Because the vision is very compelling. It's, it's this scene where there's a light and Jesus is reaching his hand out to, to the person. But the person knows if he takes Jesus' hand, then his life is going to fundamentally change as Jesus brings him into the light. I mean, that's some pretty powerful stuff just in itself. So I'm praying. They're praying. And then this morning I wake up. And this is literally just this morning, fresh, hot off the press. Um, I'm, I'm going through my morning prayers. I'm being gr- grateful, remembering things that brought me joy in life. And then I start to ask God. I'm praying for this particular prayer request. And God says, why would I speak to you? You ignored the last message I tried to speak to you through a dream. And I thought, what do you mean, Lord? And he said, the, the dream that I gave one of you here at the chapel this morning, you didn't listen to them. And, th- and that dream was different. It was a dream where, um, where I was a, a fatherly figure. And I was loving and kind and tender. And the person told me their dream. They said it was just a beautiful moment. And I, I said, Lord, I, what do you mean? How have I been ignoring that dream? And this was this morning. You, and you have to understand, um, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I've had a chip on my shoulder uh, because people that are super religious are difficult for me to be around. I've had a chip on my shoulder because I've always been younger in my vocation Um, I became a middle school pastor when I was 18. Um, I became a high school pastor when I was 20. Um, I've always just been younger. I I got hired here um, when I was 33, and I landed here when I was 34 because I I turned 34 across the country, which is young. Like, other than Jesus, you shouldn't do it. And um, and I've got this thing where I've always been the young one. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to approach pastoring like a, like a, peer of the young people and like a younger brother of the older members but this morning God said no I don't don't need you to love like a younger brother because you have younger brothers and I know anyone here have younger brothers specifically younger brothers are annoying I've got two of them two of them God said I don't want you to love my people like a younger brother I want you to love them like I loved you, like I love you, with a love that is unconditional, with a love that, that is not there just to be the, the energetic younger brother, but a love that says, I'm going to walk with you during the hard times when your life falls apart. I'm still going to be here. When your life is going great, I'm still going to be here. This morning, if I saw you, um, most of the people who I was interacting with, uh, unless I don't know you super well yet, I was... I was telling everyone this morning, I was like, I love you. That was it. And you can tell how awkward this is as a culture, because either I mean, colloquially, like, I love you, in the sense of, like, general hello, but I wasn't saying it that way. I was all in. I was saying, no, I love you. I told, uh, told one of our more rough-and-tumble guys, I said, I-, I love you, and he said back, I love you, man. When you add man to anything at the end, it makes it casual. I said, no, no, I love you. And man, it gets awkward real quick. 
I told Edwin, and I can get away with this. I said, I love you, Edwin. I had my hand on his back. I said, I love you, Edwin. And then he told me about his experience this morning. It's, it's a great story. You should go have him recount it. So he's tormented all day by his terrible driving. But how we love people today can change everything. If God cares enough about Nineveh to send a prophet, if God cares enough about Nineveh and her animals to preach good news, God cares enough about Fishhawk and Riverview and Valrico and your neighborhood to send you. There's this way of loving people that we've just kind of forgotten. I need to get my phone for this next part. Tell me if anyone's had this experience. You're out at lunch or dinner with somebody, maybe it's after service today, and you're sitting there and your phone's on the table, you're eating french fries or whatever, and you're talking with someone, we're just talking, and their phone buzzes. What do they do nine times out of ten? Pick up their phone. Do you feel less loved all of a sudden? Like all of a sudden, all I did was pick up a phone from someone who's, who knows where, who knows if I even know the person, and I've told this person across from me that this matters more to me than you. People say it's so hard to know how to love people. Actually, I think it's very simple. I think if we look at what Jesus did to love the world, then it gives us an idea of how to love the city. Jesus gave attention to people. We are kicking off next week the book of Mark. In my, in my asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'm I'm tired of just doing this church thing where we come up and, and I could ask you, I, we could, how many songs do we sing in a Sunday? Between how many? Three to four songs. I preach for give or take 35 to 40, depending on how much coffee, seven minutes. Because we have second service. And then we do an offering where Edwin will come up and he will say a Baptist prayer. And then Jared comes up with energy like a Red Bull. And then we stand, and I bless you, and we go. We know that this is what's happening. And it's good to hear the good news of Jesus each week. But as we're going through Mark, I want us to become more tangibly in love with God in the way that we express our prayer and worship. I want us to, as we journey through the Gospel of Mark, not just talk about the baptism of Jesus, but open up the baptism that day. I don't just want to talk about how Jesus healed people. When we come to a healing passage, and there are many, we're going to have people come up every time Jesus heals people in the book of Mark to pray for healing, for cancer, for marriages, for broken relationships, for children who have lost their way, for for adults who have lost their way, who have lost their drive. Because I want us to understand the upside-down nature of God's kingdom so that we can know not only how to be loved by God, but how to love our city. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He left what was comfortable to reach those he loved. Jesus gave up riches and was born in a lowly family to show us the value of humility. Poverty is an amazing thing. You've never experienced faith unless you've experienced total rock-bottom life. There's, There's the type of faith that says, I believe in you, God. And then there's the type of faith that says, I don't know which bill to pay. And then there's a type of faith that says, I haven't even had money to pay my bills. I don't know where food's coming from. 
And then there's a type of faith that says, Lord, I've got nothing. I've been jobed. I'm sick. I've got no finances. I've got no family. Jesus wants us to have faith. And he's not going to bring everyone through the most difficult valleys, but those whom he loves, those whom he is grooming and shaping to be mighty for him, he will bring through difficult times. Jesus, of course, suffered. Jesus was a vagabond preacher. Jesus left the comforts, left the riches of heaven, and came to earth. He preached a way of God's kingdom that was upside down. It made religious people angry. When I make religious people angry, if you catch me doing that, you'll notice a little smirk, just ping. Um, not for no reason, but if there's a made-up rule that Christianity has that's not in the Bible, I, I don't care much about it. I want to be a Bible-centered, Jesus-centered person, and I hope you do as well. Jesus suffered for a moment, and you will suffer for a moment if you walk with him. This, uh, we had a, someone who gave a great outline yesterday at Band of Brothers. He said, so much of Christianity tells you it's going to be great, it's, you're going to be healed, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be blessed. And he said, why don't preachers say, when you come to Jesus, you're going to suffer. You might get poorer. You might have a harder time. We talked about this last week, how when, when sin is dealt a mortal blow, it will thrash out at you with its dying breath. So you, you may suffer, you will suffer, actually, the Bible says, as Christ did, but it's for a moment, and you have peace forever. You may have enemies for a moment, but you will have adoration forever. Uh, a pastor uh, who I've spent some time around in San Diego had this amazing ministry. And I say had because it's no longer a ministry where it was. Um, it's a big church, and we're actually going to be doing a, a simulcast because he's doing a, a race and unity thing in September. And we're going to be ho- one of the host churches here. But uh, years ago, he started sending a team to an adult entertainment establishment to minister to the adult entertainers. Not to, like, go yell at them, not to bullhorn them down, to say, hey, can we buy you lunch? Can, how can we pray for you? Like, imagine going into this, a place like that just to love people. Not to beat them with the Bible, but to love them. This was years ago. It began, and by the way, it's a female-only team, in case you're wondering. Like, they, we're not signing you guys up for that. It's a bad pitfall. And they kept going, and they kept going. And the establishment started to suffer because these women were coming to Jesus. And I thought it was so amazing this week when I, I was going through my, my Facebook feed, and I saw that the establishment, and it's a very prominent one in San Diego. Like, everyone knows this one because the sign is, it's got two words, and, and there's some children here, so I'm not going to say it, but it's, it's very clear what that establishment was for. They went out of business. You can't wait. Don't woo yet. The church bought it. Dude, come on. If I could plant a church campus inside of a former adult entertainment industry club, Come at me after sanitization, because I'm a germaph- I'm just germaphobe. Uh, uh, Miles looked at his city and said, "We don't. We see this piece of hell, where there's temporary, fleeting pleasures, where there's um, bondage, where there's pain, where there's lack of 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 purpose." 
where there's a disconnect from how God has wired sexuality and the soul, the, the mingling and the meshing in of this beautiful creation God has made in sexuality. And, and Miles said, we see this and we're going to step into it. We're going to bring a piece of heaven into the midst of, of this pain. This is what Jesus did with the world. This is what you and I are called to do. We're called to take Jesus and bring him into the midst of pain and to say there is a better way. There's a way that's filled with more peace. There's a way where we can love people who are right in front of us. I mean, even if it's as simple for you today to say, you know, I'm going to love everyone I'm with by just not having my phone on. I told someone this week on Thursday, they said, you have been answering my texts all day. I said, it's because my phone was off all day. And they were shocked. Your phone was off? What does that mean? Did you chop off your arm as well? No, I just put it on my nightstand and plugged it in. And for me, that was just to be present with my work. How much more important are humans? Last week after chapel, I went to my new spot, um, kind of spot, Levin Brewery. It's only kind of because it's expensive. And, um, and I was, there was hardly uh, anyone on my side. There was a bunch of people listening to the musician. And I just sat at the bar. And I wanted to decompress because God was sort of rocking me last week in my unfaithfulness and how I've been forgiving someone in my life. And I just sat there and I wanted to be in my zone. So I had my phone out and I was scrolling on it. I had my journal out. like a, I have a paper one in my bag and a pen on it. And I was like, I'm, this is the symbol like I don't want to talk to anybody. And then God, of course, puts people right next to me. Not only that, they're from Baltimore, so there's a high likelihood that they're Ravens fans. And with football season starting, for those of you who don't know, the Steelers are the Lord's team, and we're nemesis. <laughs> so I'm like, don't bother me. I don't want to be around people. I'm working on how to forgive and love one person who's thousands of miles away. And God says, no, no, no. I'm putting people right here. So I say, okay. Lord, I put my phone down. Close my journal in Jesus' name. And, um, and I said, I'll just talk to these people. And it's, it's surprisingly easy when you generally want to love someone. If you approach it without having any need from them. This is what God's love looks like. He doesn't come to us needing something from us. He doesn't come to you saying, I need you to love me and then I will be better then I will be happier. God is 100% happy with or without you, just like the U2 song says. But he wants you to come into a loving relationship with him. And in that moment, I talked to this guy, and he said right off the bat, I said, hey, how's it going? He said, great. Are you guys from here? You know, we visit my parents, he said. He's got some older kids in their teens and 20s. And he said, my wife and I are taking a bet as to what you do for a living. And in the midst of that, he had some other more colorful words that I don't say. But it was glorious. It's why I go to bars, so people will swear at me. <laughs> and uh, I said, if I tell you, because I, I, I don't have the energy to like, do my normal bit. You know, I, I tell people different things of what I do, because once you tell them you're a pastor, it, the conversation just shuts off. But I stopped doing that, because one time at LAX, at the airport there, I was, um, I got, I was getting searched. And I was actually wearing these exact shoes. And as I was getting searched, 
they were swabbing my shoes, and I didn't know what was going on. And they said, oh, what do you do for a living? And um, I should have not used this term, but I said, oh, I set captives free. And then as I was saying those words, realizing that was dumb, um, the alarm from where they swabbed my shoes started beeping loudly. And on the screen, it says, explosive materials detected. Within five seconds of me saying, I set captives free. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, I sound much more manly with this mic anyhow. You can imagine how that went. I, I immediately said, I'm a pastor. It's captives or sinners free as Jesus. It's not what you mean. It's not what you think. It turned out I had probably walked through some fertilizer, they said, but that was after they had scraped cells from every part of me in my suitcase. So this man at the bar, he says, what do you do? I said, don't treat me different when I tell you because I don't have the energy to, to tell you otherwise. I said, I, I'm a pastor. Please don't stop cussing. I said those words, and he said, I can't say what he said. <laughs> you... There's really not a sentence if you take out those words. <laughs> the irony of it all is that he and his wife are teachers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they're going to come visit next time they're visiting their parents who live in Channing Park. I'm so pumped to meet Kevin and Ka uh, Kim again. They're going to come in and I'm going to be like, don't you treat me differently because we're in a salmon-colored building. And we talked and talked, and I didn't look at my phone. I, I looked at them in the eyes, and I was just a human being that said, I don't, I don't need to make these people like me because I am liked by God. I don't need to, to make these people laugh and, and, and find this place that they accept me because I can tell a joke because I'm accepted in Jesus. I don't need these people to pay for a beer for me because all of my security and provision is in Christ. I have what I have, and that's all I need for today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow, so I can just give and love these people. We laughed, and we had a great time. And when I left, it was like, it was like that moment, um, even though I was leaving, it's like the opening song, Sorry Kids, Just Tune Out, to an old show that I love called Cheers. It's a place where everybody knows your name. Right now, all the kids are like, why are the adults all nodding? <laughs> you won't even get it. This is like before you were even thought about being born, children. But it's where everyone knows your name. We just do church so weird. Uh, we do cities so weird. If we bring it all the way down to understand that God loves people and we can love people by simply being present, by looking them in the eyes and saying, I love you, I love you, that's not hard. You can do every ministry strategy under the sun. We have people who will try to meet you today, to encourage you, to, to catch up with you, to reconnect with you. And this, these are systems. But what if we just had a people who loved radically? The number one thing that has people that come back to church, the number one metric is a warm and friendly atmosphere. Guess what? I can't be warm and friendly to everyone that walks in. But we can be warm and friendly to everyone. But let's, let's move on. Because I want to talk about how to live now. 
This is how to practically love your community. Because if God loves the cities, we're called to love the cities. Jesus came for you, gave to you, poured into you so you could pour into others. So what does that look like practically? Jeremiah 29, 5-7, some of my favorite verses in the book of Jeremiah. Because it's right before the verse that's on coffee mugs that is taken out of context. These are people who have been ripped from their country into an enemy territory and God telling them how to live in the city. He says in verse 5, build houses and live in them. Now, some of you, I would not trust to build an Ikea table. He's just talking about being present in the midst of the people where God has put you. He's talking about showing hospitality. He's talking about the fact that right now, they created this amazing community where you can hardly ever find a garage. Have you noticed that in Fishhawk? The builders were, were allergic to garage doors, so they hid them all in alleys. There's beautiful front porches. How many of you have a front porch with chairs on it? Any, any people have front porch chairs? How many of you sit in that chair often? Okay. It's like there's two families. How many of you would much rather sit in your air-conditioned living room? How many of you, if, you're, if you have the perfect night outside, let's say it's, um, what night is that where it's perfect again? Like January 7th? Like right in there? You have a choice between your front porch and your back porch. Who's going back porch? Back porch? I'm going back porch, mostly because bugs. I have screens, and I don't want to be bugged by other people. Jesus is a front porch kind of guy. He builds houses and lives in them. He shows hospitalities. hospitality. Here's a good reason to show hospitality, because Hebrews 13.2 says, Show hospitality to strangers because by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. Can you imagine inviting an angel over for dinner and not even knowing? And what if it's like the worst food that you made that week? How many of you are like this? Um, let's see. Let me pick someone randomly here. Denmark's. No, I know you guys too well. I need to pick someone I don't know as well as the Denmark's. Goldsteins. Okay. Sorry, introverted family, terrifying you. Um, if I'm coming over to your house today, I'm coming over for lunch, right after service, when I get done, not when you get done. Do you, are you going to, be honest, are you going to clean? Are you going to cook? You're going to clean? Okay. You got to dust things. You got to make sure there's nothing on the floor. If, the, if a kid spit up on the couch cushion, you got to flip that bad boy over and put it back. I mean, I don't do that, allegedly. <laughs> now, the Goldsteins are similar to all of us. I could say, hey, if I'm going to come to your house, are you going to clean? Yeah, we're going to clean. If you show up at my house, there's, there's literally, um, they have come to my house, my father-in-law has come to my house, and Edwin has come to my house, and probably Amber's coming to the front door, my neighbor. But if you're, like, showing up unannounced, that door cracks open, and before you can even walk in, like my wife is cleaning the floor with Clorox wipes on her hands and knees. I'm like, they're already here. Hospitality is an amazing thing. God wants us to build houses in the midst of people to show hospitality. If you've never take, taken in your neighbor's trash cans, you are probably a bad human. <laughs> show hospitality to one another 
without grumbling. That's 1 Peter 4.9. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The next one after it says build your houses in that Jeremiah verse, it says live in them. Don't build your house just as a sleeping domicile. Live in it. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Eat with people. You can change your city by doing a couple simple things. Live well in your house. Look people in the eye. Take in their garbage cans. Help them pull their weeds. Plant produce, not just for yourself, but for others. We're starting this uh, thing up because the chapel pantry... We phased it out. Um, we're starting a new ministry uh, name, TBD, but Miss um, Lori is going to be heading it up. And, and here's what I need us to do this week, because this week one of the most painful situations happened to me as a pastor. Uh, the summer has been very lean for us uh, financially as a church ministry, and someone reached out and said, Pastor Ryan, do we have anything left from the pantry to give to someone in, that needs it right now? It's a single mom going through a hard time. I just want to bless her with something. And I thought, holy Toledo, I, don't, I, I had gift cards, and I don't have any more gift cards. I had food, but we've given all the food away, and there's nothing left. So there's this principle in the Old Testament where they would go out and they would get the wheat. And God told the people who own the farms, leave some of the wheat on the ground and leave some of the grapes that fall on the ground so that the poor or those who are traveling can have something to eat and to drink. It's called gleaning, so that they can pick up and have something. I need us, just this week, and I'm going to put some stuff out on Facebook about this in the email next week. I need us to glean this week for those who need in the chapel family. I need us when you go to Publix or Winn-Dixie, and if you are a terrible shopper, if you're the ADD person that goes to Publix every day, this one's going to cost you deep. Because here's what I need us to do. Ask God, what's the amount, Lord? And I need us to glean that amount in gift cards from any grocery store every time you go this week. So if you go to Publix seven times this week, or if you go seven times on average, maybe you should pick like $5 only. But pick something. If you go once a week, say, you know what? When I go, I'm going to glean $20, and we're going to get gift cards. We're going to put them in the bag because I never want to get a call again from somebody who is without food and not have something to give them. We have stuff to give them. I could go out and get them stuff. But I promise you, I don't make enough to keep doing that on my own. None of us in here make that much. We need to glean together. We need to add something into what God is beginning here to bless those who don't have. Live in your house to love your neighbor. Glean to provide for those who don't have any. My favorite part of this passage is it says, get married and have children. Now, I need you to hear me. In the church, oftentimes, we put marriage up on a pedestal. You, marriage does not make you whole. Marriage does not make you better than. Being single for Jesus is Paul's optimal state. He said, I wish that all could be unmarried as I am, so that you can give yourself to the work of the Lord, loving others, caring for the widows, the orphan, and the poor. So, so here's what we're going to do this week to love our city. I want you to focus on loving the person right in front of you. I want you to do it in tangible ways. Maybe for you, it's flipping this over and looking someone in the eye. I want you to glean to help those who are, who are going through difficult times. Get a $5, $10, $20, $50, $100 gift card to Publix, Winn-Dixie, and next week we're going to put it in the offering basket.
And then I want you to, wherever you are, to give to every person you encounter. Not money, but give knowing that you've received all that you need. I don't need anything from Jared, but I want to give him love and kindness and encouragement. I don't need anything from Steve, but I want to give him. I want to give my attention. I want to give my affection. This is all God is calling us to. And it's amazing that with the number of churches, I pass nine churches between my house and the chapel. It's amazing how unloving sometimes this city can feel. It's not going to change by me doing it. It's not going to change by you doing it. It's going to change by us doing it. I pray you would join me in that endeavor. Father, we need to learn to love our city. Lord, today is a day where um, I'm just pondering, pondering the, the areas of pain in our city. Lord, I'm grateful for, for Miles and the fact that they were able to um, put an adult entertainment venue out of business and then buy it. Lord, I love that. Lord, what is it that you're putting on our heart to, to buy? What is it, what, where is it that you are calling us to go? Lord, help us not to just think about loving those who are homeless in Tampa. Help us to understand how to love the person that lives right next door. Help us, God, to love those people who are maybe sitting in our row right now to not leave this morning without giving someone a hug or a handshake to understand that behind every set of eyes there's a soul that is beautiful and worth loving. God, this is all for you. Look forward to, uh, look forward to this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.